With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is The Movies That Made Me with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Uh, we've lost Joe, um, not permanently, folks. As far as I know, uh, as far as I know, uh, his compu- I just got an email a couple minutes ago that his computer has been hacked, and uh, uh, he's not able to join us. Um, I want to state for the record that Joe is a gigantic fan of uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent, um, which is good because uh, we're talking to the uh, co-writer and director Tom Gormican of of said film. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I was just telling. Him, I, I I never know. Like sometimes, I don't even know. I, I've just I've long since given up trying to read Joe. I do know that if it's a domestic drama, um, uh, I, I shouldn't even push it on him. But um, uh, I saw this movie. I was knocked out. Anybody who listens to the show knows that um, I'm a giant Nicolas Cage fan, and uh, um, not I'm not I, I'm not an easy audience for this. I, I'm not a gimme. I'm not one of those ones who is like. Uh, you didn't have me sure. a go. I'm like, motherfucker, how'd he get this made? And um, <laughs> that was one of our big anxieties. It was exactly that. Everybody has this different version of Nicolas Cage in their mind or something. Exactly. The anxiety and I, live up to any of it. You know? And of course, we don't do a ton of talking about our guesswork, but I do, I do want to, I, I, and I'm sure you've answered this somewhere before, and I apologize if, um, what, what, what were you going to do if he passed? Who, were, who was your second choice to play Nicolas Cage? I, well, I think, I think the first order of business was um, my writing partner, Kevin, was in his house. Uh, <laughs> like his child would have to drop out of school. We had like, I mean, there were obviously considerations. We, we, took, a, we took about almost a year off to work on this project exclusively to sort of rediscover what we enjoyed about writing and making things after a somewhat trying, uh, uh, you know, television experience in network TV. Mm. Um, Say no more, sir. Yeah, so we we you know we've been pulled in a million different directions, and so we just decided, let's write this thing. I had this idea, the basic concept is a kernel of an idea. Nicholas Cage plays himself, has to become the hero he was in the '90s, the late '90s, 2000s, early 2000s, in order to save his family. It's a guy becoming the guy that we know him as. And I thought, should we write this? And Kevin immediately said, Kevin Etten, my writing partner, um, just said, Yeah, I mean, I get it. This is great. Like, I, I we can figure this out and. And then we started down the, the path of, you know, crafting this character. I, it should, I mean, the, 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 the big part of this is I never met Nicolas Cage. I didn't know <laughs> Nicolas Cage. I just, I was like a fan and I was curious what he was like. So we just went down this rabbit hole of, you know, Googling interviews with Nick and talk right. show appearances and then basically the character in movies. So crafted it from there. 
But I, I, I mean, you, were you, were you, uh, I mean, my question was half in jest, but I, I, I have been conjuring with it. Like who, who else would, um, you know, <laughs> well, there's like a strict set of criteria, like, right. It's like people that you, you want to be more prominent or in the zeitgeist or bigger or back quote unquote, but like how many people who are Oscar winners have had like this, like career downturn yeah. or somewhat out of favor. So that's a, Oh no, I would think you'd have to stick with Nicholas cage and just get someone else to play him. I think that well, that's what we <laughs> like. Could Christian Bale or Daniel Day-Lewis play Nicholas Cage? Oh Boston? my God. It's perhaps the best fucking version. Of Daniel Day Lewis comes out of retirement to play Nicolas Cage. <laughs> we thought, we thought a potential sequel could be uh, Daniel Day Lewis like buying a castle somewhere in Europe and preparing to become Nicolas Cage. You know that like real method style, right? Kind of thing, but you know that's actually the next step, isn't it? In that kind of meta journey, it's like the meta. only the only thing that makes any sense is <laughs> is Daniel Day Lewis as himself trying to learn how to play Nicolas Cage. And it was kind of cool from a filmmaking POV because you're like, okay, there's a point where Nick puts on prosthetics in the film to play this character. And we were like, we just peel the prosthetics off and it would be a Daniel Day-Lewis version Daniel Lewis. of Nick or something along those lines. I don't know. The whole thing just sort of collapses in on oh, wow. at that point. I don't know, man. If you don't write it, I might. The, uh... <laughs> I'm happy to be there for you. It was, I mean, that's sort of the fun, though. There was no backup plan. There's nothing. Yeah. Maybe sort of the best things are created uh, very yep. specifically with certain people. And it was a, you know. Without I mean, a net. We're not yeah. super prominent. I'm not, we're not the Cohen brothers. We're not like people that just go trust us. Right. We're going to make this work. We're going, uh, I, I think with this, we can pull this off. And, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, uh, it's it's a it's a wonderful film, and um, it's it's obviously struck a note with a lot of people, and it's just it's been exhilarating, sort of, you know, realizing how many people share our uh, love for. I mean, I, he really is. He's he's just you know, I think he's the greatest actor of my generation. It's just not. He's certainly doing something new, and you know, it's this idea of Nick as this guy that basically sort of transcends the idea of an actor that comes in and out of favor or whatever that is, like with the memification of, of yeah. Nick on the internet, just sort of the sight of his face makes you smile for whatever reason, the con air thing with the hair flowing wildly in the wind, and, you know, like people hold up giant, you know, images of his head at concerts that have nothing to do with the page just because like <laughs> it makes people smile. That That's a strange thing. It's, a, it's uh, you know, it's, it's, it's different than just being an actor, I suppose. Yeah, I, I confess I have a Nicolas Cage pillow that I bring out every Wednesday for my weekly movie night. But uh, <laughs> really? so he is with us. Yeah, uh, my friend Colin uh, is is probably a bigger fan than I am even. And um, in fact, I went with him. I brought him to the screening, and and he loved it as well. But uh, yeah, he's just he's there, there's something, and you've you've caught that something. And uh, of course, you had some help. Um, but but I think obviously if the writing weren't there, he wouldn't have done it. And um, uh yeah it's just it's it's wonderful and to see it in the context of that kind of film um it, it, i i think people need to appreciate that it was i'm sure a greater challenge than it looks like um it was a very i will say that like besides making it like peak pre-vaccine pandemic uh which was a challenge in its own i mean it felt like filmmaking like you know like a reality show they're like here are all the things that could go wrong during a film plus a pandemic plus all this you know it's like Oh, yeah. So it was it was that. But, you know, getting Nick to to do that thing was, uh, you know, we pitched it to him as a piece of performance art, you know, where he could potentially, you know, 
yeah. take the reins of his identity and say, this is real, this isn't real, combine them and, and make something entirely new and on a larger canvas. And for Nick, it was like, I said, if we can pull this off, this would be really cool. And I think he's like, well, you know, if, wait, okay, hold on. You know, it takes this challenge. It's like, <laughs> right. okay, now I'm listening. Yeah. But we'd have all these very funny discussions with him where uh, he would come over, you know, and, and I would say like, Nick, like, I, I know the best cage. And he would be like, you don't know the best cage. And I would say, listen, man, I know the best cage. The best cage is neurotic cage. That's the cage I'm interested in. And he would say, I, you know, and neurotically defend himself and be like, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not a neurotic guy. I'm very zen. And I'd be like, you're neurotically, listen, I know the best cage. And he, we would get into these circular <laughs> arguments where he would then be like, okay, I'll do the thing that you want, but I'm telling you it's not me. And, you know, and then he would do certain lines and come over and say things like, uh, there's a guy who lives in, Las Vegas. He wears rings and leather jackets, and he wouldn't say that. And I'm like, oh, you mean you? You know, he's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, he's like, well, it's not you. It's a version of you. And he'd be like, he has my name. <laughs> just please, just say the line. Like, this is very important to me. And so it was funny and weird and strange in the way you would probably expect making this type of Nicholas Cage would be. But moving yeah. Uh, well, it's it's you hit it out of the park, and um, absolutely thrilled to have you. We've we've had. Um, We've had a couple of uh, the folks who were involved with some of his, I think, great recent films on the show, um, the director of Mandy and the, the folks who make Pig and so forth. But um, you're the one that I really wanted to ask to do this. You were kind enough to go along with it, I felt, because not sure. just did you make a great movie with Nicolas Cage, but it's a great movie about Nicolas Cage. And I wanted to kind of dig into like, you know, it, it feels like the obvious question, what are your favorite Nicolas Cage movies? And yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so let's let's just let's get into it, man. Yeah, we think. By the way, you were supposed to work with him on History of Violence. You said. Yeah, he story. was. Um, that story. No, the movie got greenlit off of him. He was the original. He was originally attached, and then he had to. I guess there was a schedule conflict because um, uh, what is it? Lords of War, Masters sure. of War, Lords of War, um, got got its go ahead. It had been stalled, I guess, for a while, and he had to go do that. And so they had to scramble and um, it's terrible to say, because obviously I'm a giant Nick Cage fan, but uh, I had actually written that script the entire time with Viggo Mortensen in my head. And so it turned out to be very fortuitous, but at the same time did not get to work with Nick, which is uh, a great, great sadness, but he's still out there. I'm still out there. You never yeah, know. Yeah, That one turned out. Okay. <laughs> it, it, yeah. We did all right without him. I thought it was, uh, we managed to, you know, squeak out over the finish line. Oh, <laughs> thank you. The lack but, of uh, and I honestly, to this day, I'm kind of like, you know, not that a lot of people were surprised by the big reveal, but I think that if you saw Nick cage behind that counter, you'd be like, Oh yeah, he's killed people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. It does. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, but let's, let's, let's get into it. You want to, you want to sort of go in consecutive order or what's your, um, absolutely. All right. I go in whatever order you want to go in. I'm, I'm, uh, talk about your, your I mean, movie is so hard to narrow it down. I, I know, I know into this because you start going, wait, oh my God, it's like a movie that I love, but I don't know who else loves it. I've never talked to anybody about the weatherman, for example. <laughs> You're going, right. Yeah, which, it's, yeah, yeah. It's for me, it's like cage cannon um, for, <laughs> for, for a lot of reasons. But like, yeah, well, we can, we can just chart in order. I don't know, get moonstruck to start. Let's, yeah, let's start. I'm, I'm, it's funny because I, I, that's, that's one of the ones. I haven't seen it since it came out and it seems to keep popping up in the zeitgeist lately. And, and, um, partly because of, 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 uh, Nick, but, um, uh, it definitely feels like one I have to go back to. Cause I, I remember being, 
it's not my it's not my wheelhouse. And I remember just kind of being like, yeah. And then everybody went crazy for it. Everyone went crazy for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it started off that kind of that uh, he has this thing where the character when you meet him, like he has his hand has been chopped off, right? right. And he blames his brother and he's threatening to kill himself, which should immediately be like the most unlikable version of a character that you could possibly create. And I, for some reason, I think it's just in his eyes. He has this wildness, but there's a sort of, there, there's, there's an underdog quality to Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very much so. Any way you look at him and like that, those, those are the characters we can get behind it. There's, there's, that seemed like the beginning of that, of, of, of actual, of Cage for me. And it's, he's such an mm, okay. performer, but that was like, that was the thing we were going, he could kind of do anything and you're sort of behind him. And I don't know what that alchemy is, but like, I feel like it's just something in the way his, his eyes just feel sad all the time. Right. Yeah. You're crazy. Um, something like that. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting one to revisit if you haven't. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely something I intend to very soon, and um, you know, your your movie kind of kickstarted me uh, in that direction. So, yeah, and you know that that movie is kind of like um, I don't know. It's about him having like the courage to extract himself. She's calling him a wolf. You know, the courage to get out of this relationship and do whatever you you know want to do. That's that's that, uh, even and it feels like that's sort of the start of uh, the thing that we like about Nicolas Cage is that there's a um, there's this kind of authenticity to a person who doesn't seem to really care uh, in his choices, what you think about his choices or what you think about his life, what you think about the way he dresses, the way he acts, the way yes. he is, the way he enters. And um, I think people kind of appreciate that about him, especially now in a world where like everybody's sort of scrubbed clean with their publicists and their stylists and their people and the way they present themselves to the world. Nick doesn't have any of those things and he does what he wants to do for better, for worse sometimes. Right. Um, but he's allowed to sort of create this character of, of Nicholas Cage, which he's, I can tell you he's constantly honing and refining much in the way you or I might write a character. Right. Right. Um, That's so interesting. Cause yeah. And didn't the um, vampire's kiss was like right after that. Right. Which was a, Sorry, yeah, that was an interesting thing to follow it up with. That that was kind of announcing a certain kind of intention, I think. Um, yeah, yes. you know, it's uh, it's not yeah. what you expected someone in his position to do at that point. <laughs> no, not at that point. And that that was like Nick's beginning of like expressionist Nick, where there was a yeah. bit of reality and moonstruck. Then you get this this character who's willing to take it so far in, in, in an extreme direction to just give you a sketch of a human being and hope that you attach to it. And I thought that that was. You know, it's a it's a it's a progression, but it was a big sort of conscious leap and decision. And I'm, I, I actually have never really asked him about what exactly uh, made him do that. But I know that the reception of that film really hurt him. Um, the reception, oh, to the vampire. Yeah, he was like a deeply yeah. sensitive guy. Actually, Nick is, and it just really hurt him. And then it was like, okay, I can if I can withstand that, I can probably create any type of character and he's, he's going all out in that. I mean, it is just a commitment to, to a direction. And, and um, I don't think you can do that if you're not sincere, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a good point because he is really sincere about this stuff. I mean, I, you look at his Oscar acceptance speech and he's saying, maybe it's, you know, not cool to say or something like that. And he says, but I just love acting. And you're yes. like, wow, yeah. there's a, there's a total, 
earnestness and sincerity to him and the way that he approaches these things, but also like a real, a, a real focus. And I'll say this on, on when we were prepping um, uh, the unbearable weight, Nick came and we did a table read with the cast and it was via zoom because it was peak of the, we weren't allowed to hang out and Pedro Pascal and Sharon Horgan and all these great people show up and we had it. And um, Nick is off the book on a 125 page script where he plays wow. characters and has wow. mouths full of dialogue. <laughs> and he shows up in a pink leather motorcycle jacket with these giant sunglasses on. Yes, and he, does. <laughs> he proceeds to just destroy the table read. And Sharon Corgan's texting me going, I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. And Pedro Pascal is just like uh, fumbling through it. And he's like, I feel bad. <laughs> like texting. And everyone's like, this is just, he, he was coming in to make a statement about how seriously he took a thing and right. you know, sort of forces the other performers to step up. And that, you know, that, that commitment is both like on and off screen. It's just really interesting. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. I love and, that. And fun to work with. Uh, you know, you, you think of him as like, is he going to be super difficult? I think he, not once, not once in the entire time we shot that he show up late. Mm -hmm. Once he stayed late. In fact, he was always there. I would be talking to other actors saying, I, I don't love this outfit combination. I think with the backgrounds, it's going to clap, blah, blah, blah. And he'd be like, come over and say, like, sneak up behind you and say, what'd you say about Pedro's shoes or something? Like, why are you? Why, why are you here? First of all, you're not shooting right now. Why are you listening to me? And it would be this kind of funny thing where he just understands all of the details and all, and wants to understand all of the decisions that go into the thing. So like that's, you can see that show up in the commitment to these types of films. That's fantastic. Yeah. Mm. You know, so anyways, that Moonstruck is this, it's kind of this lovable side of him where he's like an unorthodox romantic hero. And there's always like this underlying sort of, thread of you know like like there's 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 a romantic side to nick as a human being um, and uh nostalgic romantic side to him and that shows up in a lot of these movies even when you get towards the action uh you know, yeah action. oh for sure yeah yeah it's kind of an interesting um you know kind of aspect of of, of him as a performer well it's funny if we can go a little um um you know, off, uh, off out of sequence. Um, sure, it was actually because of uh, your movie that, um, and I want to give anything away, but it does. I mean, a lot of a lot of great Nick Cage movies get kind of name checked or sure, uh, yeah. or what have you. And you know, I remember when Con Air came out, there was just kind of a, uh, the sort of action movie market being what it was. I, I remember being a little underwhelmed. I remember. Um, <laughs> And, and there was something to kind of Bruckheimer films that I also felt to be a little, I don't know. I, I also saw Joel Silver had the magic touch and Bruckheimer's movies were kind of cold and cynical and bad. Sure. I thought, let me give it another chance. And mm -hmm. oh my God. And I also like, I'm, I'm, I, I haven't yet. I'm Facebook friends with Scott Rosenberg, who I've met once or twice. And he has no idea that I didn't give a shit about the movie when it came out, but I, I'm meaning to write him a, a letter just thanking him because well, he's doing, uh, we're doing a screening at the WGA uh, this week, and Scott Rosenberg is moderating. He's a friend of mine. Oh, fantastic. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Love, wow. love him. Love him. Yeah. Uh, please please tell him hi from me. He'll go, oh, yeah, I think I'm Facebook friends with that guy. I, but he, it knocked me out. It's so much fun. He is so, I mean, he puts so much into that character. and um, uh, But it is such a delight with its sort of collage or collection of of you know all these great indie actors and people who don't normally show up in Bruckheimer things yeah and 
all obviously there, I, I would wager from the get-go for the script, which is just kind of bonkers in, in the most delightful way. And I'm like, why did this? I must have been in a bad mood when I saw it the first time. Because Yeah, it's funny how your perception of these things can sort of change when you go back. Yeah, oh, yeah. There, there is like, there's like, it's one part nostalgia, but then like now you know almost all of those actors who subsequently after Conair, like, really blew up in your consciousness. You've got guys like Malkovich, you know, in and you're going, okay, wait, this is like, this is fascinating. This is like a, you know, it's, that's well, like- Well, it may be going through the purest thing too, because like I knew those actors, but I knew them from, you know, more serious fail. Sure, and sure. And it was yeah. like, oh, great. They're just, they're just cashing in. Okay, fine. But, uh, oh man, oh. no, they came, they came to play. <laughs> they came to play. And, you know, that film is like, to take that film, by the way, the Conor and Faceoff, I believe came out in the same year. And like that year for Nick was right after leaving Las Vegas. So he decides to take his Oscar winning dramatic role where he's, you know, where he's like beautifully playing this, this drunk that just breaks your heart. And he's like, I'm going to take that. and I'm going to be the world's least likely action hero. Exactly. <laughs> to me, it was just like, what a turn, like a blockbuster turn is like perhaps the strangest post Oscar you, you know, choice since yep. I, I don't know. Um, uh, who made a stranger choice? Um, what's the what's the dogs movie? Uh, um, um, it right after uh, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> what's the, oh, what's yeah, I can't. I damn it. I'm uh, to the uh, but no, it is. But also, like you can, you can, you know. And he clearly, and I think, I mean, everyone knows this now. Um, I mean, he really loves movies, and he's a serious, serious. So I, I can see him just like John Woo would like to talk to you. I would imagine he would have, you know. Oh, yeah. He's, choked, he's full. So. You know, choked his own mother to get to that meeting. That's, oh, uh, my God. <laughs> we about John Woo. And we actually put one of the things Nick said to me. I'm such a fan of, you know, that movie when you're mm -hmm. watching Face Off. And it was just like, Woo is a maestro. You know, <laughs> that's all he would talk about. It's like how he would conduct a set. Yeah. Uh, you know, and... Um, but it is, you know, and I see this enormous in Hong Kong cinema at the time. When you look back now, the stylistic choices, you're like, wow, these feel so like insane. The doves flying around and all that. But it's like it's like beautiful and of a moment and of a time. You know, it it, it really locates you in, uh, in, in in the late 90s, which is like I probably yeah. contribute the nostalgia factor for most people. But, you know, when Face Off rolled around, like he's playing the like he's playing the villain. And I don't know, you can make the case that he played like some villainous characters before, but going full. Yeah, this guy's pure, pure evil. I also, I feel like he may have broken John Travolta too. That um, <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a terrific actor, but kind of forcing him to sort of walk in those shoes. <clears throat> it, in um, a new cage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That, like, that that may have uh, brass. Yeah. Very few people outside of Nick Cage can do Nick Cage is the thing. Right. But it's also, you know, it, the thing that I think very few people can do, Cage. By the way, when we were creating a prosthetic in our movie to make him look different than himself, it turns out, and we had Bill Corso, who's this incredible, like, you know, Oscar winning prosthetics and makeup artist. He's, he's, he's fantastic. Um, we had to we had to do like there were so many versions of like prosthetic coverings on Nick's face, which he just looks exactly like Nick. It was so hard to make him look like anyone else. You're just like, nope, that's still Nick. That's like, <laughs> we had like an extremely fat version of him, which would have taken like way much more time. And then we had the version that we had with the 
beard and he looked like an Italian football manager. Yeah, it's pretty impressive when he shows up as that character. You actually believe that that it would fool people because <clears throat> you believe. And I got to actually watch him create like an absurdist. He would say, "I'm playing Sergio, the Italian clown," and he would get into you know, he would practice the gait and his mannerisms, and I would see him doing it to try to get it. And it was like fascinating to watch him work. But oh, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. But that was that. You know, anyways, that era was uh, kind of a really. Uh, I think one that launched Nick, well, two things, maybe, maybe the argument that launched Nick into the public's consciousness, but also that villainous turn and face off, I think was the beginning of critics turning on Nick, you know, like, uh, and they, they came back here and there um, with adaptation, I, I, I think, but like there was a, there was a lot of years in there where they just were like the sight of uh, Nick just drove them crazy. And, um, you know, I had some conversations with Nick about what that felt like and what, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, he would, he's deeply sensitive to that. And I think that sort of steeled him even more. And he became the guy that dresses even more outlandish, you know, like to, to try to keep you from talking to him or like, you know, to separate him from the guy in the movies because he was getting, you know, the reviews would be like, uh, I, I like this movie or didn't like this movie, but what I didn't like was Nicolas Cage and here, here's ah, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, forget that, that, but that era, that like, that those like performances like that, which uh, for one reason or another, like tilted people in the, in the. You know, so you're yeah. not used to seeing that kind of performance in that kind of movie. Right. You know, I mean, Con Air, he sort of goes up to the edge, but he's still, he's still uh, a character, you know, he still fits within a certain constraint of, of an action hero. Um, even right. when it's like, you know, put the bunny down or whatever the line is. Yeah, the bunny back in um, the box. Yeah. yeah, by the time you get to to face off, though, he's just, he's going, it's like he's bringing the full Nick Cage to a, you know, what should be a big dopey studio film, except for the presence of John Woo as well. But um, Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that startled people. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure it did. Yeah, where he's going, actually. And now he has like, a, you know, he has the ability to understand his like place in the sort of entertainment ecosystem, but also like um, understand what people will both accept from him and want from him. And mm-hmm. you file down certain edges in our script with the character and be like, I can't say a thing like that because like, and he knows he's a real sense after 41 or 42 years of making movies, what people want from him, right? And what they'll accept. And then also, you know, there's certain points where he'd look over at me and be like, I, I think I know what you want. I'd be like, yeah, do you know what I want? He would say, you want me to go full cage here? He <laughs> would call it full cage. And we think, okay, cool. Yeah, like he understands that like that's, I want the biggest, most expressionist version. And right. We often have those conversations because I'm very specifically interested in naturalism and like the the, the, the like actual, you know, stripping away the acting and bringing a character out. And he was like, well, I like expressionist larger than life depictions of, you know, uh, of, uh, of people that I'm playing. So we had to find some sort of balance in there. So we want to pause a moment and uh, thank our sponsor, MoviesUnlimited.com. They're the Movie Collector's website. Not only huge fans of our show, but they feature many of the movies we discuss here, so you can easily find them to add to your collection. Uh, They have uh, countless, countless Nicolas Cage movies. Uh, So if you're enjoying this conversation in particular and you don't have any Nicolas Cage movies, why buy them all? 
Sure, you can stream a lot of stuff these days, but when you buy your favorites, you watch what you want, when you want, and there's usually a ton of great content and bonus features like director's commentary, deleted scenes, and all sorts of other goodness. So uh, you can go to moviesunlimited.com uh, or you can go to the Movies Unlimited banner on the Trailers from Hell website. Click on that, it'll take you there. They also have a banner there for uh, the movies that made me. You click on that and they have a section for each episode that'll link you to every movie that's been discussed that you can get on their site. Um, they're really awesome. So click on their banner on our website or go to moviesunlimited.com. Hard to find films, imports, and more. Go now to moviesunlimited.com, a movie collector's website where shipping is always free on orders over $50. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Oh, oh, hey, um, this might be Joe. Let's, let's see. I, oh, it's, yeah. It just says Joe, but, but insofar as the last thing I heard is his computer's hacked, it might also be, you know... <laughs> Somebody else. This is really interesting. <laughs> yeah, the person who's hacked his uh, computer, perhaps. <laughs> but I know he was very eager to <laughs> connect. Let's see. Is it Joe? Well, imagine my embarrassment. It's Joe. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Joe, Tom, and Joe. I'm sorry. I had a I had a computer malfunction that took me uh, twenty hey, minutes well, to fix, and I. Better, better late I than thought, never. I thought I was I'm, a goner, I'm, uh, but uh, I, I'm, I'm here. I, I made sure to tell him that. I didn't know if you would you would uh, be able to get here. So uh, he knows, so you can go now. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it means a lot. And welcome. <laughs> welcome late to my own podcast. I'm so <laughs> um, so what have you guys been talking about? We've been talking about Nicolas Cage movies, Joe. Oh, my hey. gosh. What a, what a subject. Yeah, we've just yes. been cruising through a couple of Nick Cage performances, some of how they relate to the... Has Mandy come up? No, it will. I believe yeah. it, no, will. it will. We're believe yes. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know if you know this, Tom. There's a drinking game our listeners have, and it's uh, if Josh brings up Mandy, you do a shot. If the guest brings up Mandy, you do two shots. It's going to be hammered by the end of this. Yeah. <laughs> but but let's, let's go back a bit. We were talking about sort of the action films, but I know you want to talk about some of the stuff earlier than that before we, you know, if we're going to a bit of a consecutive order, like um, when you do, I, it, it feels like, you know, I mean, it would have to have been on your list and you, you put it there, but raising Arizona is. Um, oh yeah. Just, I, I mean, for me, that was like, you know, the interesting thing about uh, the film that, that, that we did was uh, it's, it's Nicholas Cage in a comedy. And a lot of people, the last comedy that they remember, doing really is Raising Arizona, where he creates this gigantic, like hyperbolic performance. But for some reason, you find yourself drawn into that character and like deeply caring for him. And I thought like, it's extraordinary the way that he does that. No, no one else was doing anything like that, you know, at the time. I think that's the movie where he said it was his performance was inspired by Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's one of the one of the factors he said. Yeah. I mean, and it's like such a Nick thing to do, where you can tell that it's like he's thought about this and it's calculated to draw a certain kind of reaction out of the the audience. But it's also true where he yeah. can probably look at Woody Woodpecker and go, "What elements of this performance can I bring to this?" And, and I left. Know, yeah, 
sort of strange, spectacular thing about Nick, but um, he had told me a story that he was making it. And, you know, one of the things I appreciated about working with Nick is I, I'm, this is my second film. I, I'm not the Coen brothers. I'm not Spike Jones. I'm not somebody with a, like a large body of work, Scorsese, all the people that he's worked with that I truly. You couldn't admire. take it for granted that he was going to say yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and, and I could go, Hey, trust me. I'm the, I'm the Cohen brother. Yeah, I got this. I was like, Oh God, this is like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pull this off, but I, but I hope you can. And Nick commits to you. Like he deeply. But didn't you have to go back there several times to convince him? We did. Yeah. I think it was, you know, I had to go back and I wrote him a letter that just basically stated our intentions. Like he wanted to know that I wasn't trying to make something that was satirical or, or in a way that made fun of him. Or that I was going to take it and use it as a piece to take shots at him. He, I, like I just wanted to communicate that I was an actual fan. Right. It was like a celebration of his work and meant to make. But then you probably had to walk a bit of a line though, too, because you don't want him to start worrying that you're too, you know. <laughs> yeah, that I'm like a. Creepy, just want to be alone person. with you, Nick. I just <laughs> want to point my camera at you. <laughs> yeah, I, he actually wanted to meet because I think it was like, is this person? You know, going. To I, I think that would be a pretty important part of it. To do. Yeah, <laughs> very much. So. Yeah, you know, and, and it's like, like, is the hobby character a proxy for this? Does he have a shrine to me in his house? All these things he probably was curious about, but was dancing around for a while until we actually had a chance to sort of connect. But, but yeah, you know, he, and so he said to me that the, the you know, that, well, I think my point was that. He decides to treat you like those directors and he doesn't question it because it helps him actually get into character like he treats right, you yeah. at never questioning sort of you know what you're doing or how you're doing it um and you know you can collaborate on the character uh, but he said to me the, the cohen brothers on uh, on raising arizona he said they called me a smorgasbord and i said why and he said they said you never know what you're gonna get okay <laughs> i'm like i'm not even sure that that was a compliment. In fact, you know, like it was, it was just like, Nick is that guy. And that's the thing that's, I, I think one of the things that draws you to him across these films we can talk about is you don't know what you're going to get. There's like an inherent unpredictability to what mm -hmm. is going to happen on the stage. What actor he's channeling? Is it Jimmy Stewart? Is it Jerry Lewis? Is it like, sometimes I'm trying to decipher and I'm going, what are you doing? Who are you doing? What is going on right now? Here's, you know, he's bringing all these things and you don't know what you're going to get. And you have to be very cautious and careful and conscious of your tone in order to sort of channel him into like a, a specific type of uh, version of Nick. Um, but yeah, the smorgasbord. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. In Raising Arizona, you know, you never knew what he was going to give you, except uh, at the end, it all came together in this like really kind of heartbreaking package, I thought. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, he's, he's, um, you, you feel for him and through all that insanity. Through all the insanity. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's, that's <clears throat> one of my favorites. That's top two for me. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you want to, yeah, you also, you put down it probably, <sighs> I have such a hard time with this one. I, I so wanted to love it. I mean, he's obvious it's not him, but wild at heart is, is I think it's a lot of people's, Difficult Lynch movie. Um, yeah, I think it's 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 up there with the least favorites. Yeah, yeah, that was. I guess it won. That won Pandora can that year, right? Probably, I think there's yes. like a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sense, there's like yeah. a pretty famous story. I think of like the entire crowd. I think I think I, I think I have this right. The entire crowd is like booing while he's <laughs> playing Pandora. Like it was a very it was like a 
a polarizing, you know. See, that makes me uh, like it more, though. <laughs> I, you know, I know when you think about this. And um, I remember reading that and just thinking, wow, holy shit. But, but, but the, 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 the combination of the story and the commitment to that character, I mean, starts with like a brutal murder, you know, in a way where you're going, when you think about writing a character, is that how you're going to start? I, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a <laughs> choice, but you, you could never attach to it. I can I can never I can never think of that picture without thinking of Willem Dafoe eating. Mm. Oh right, right. <laughs> that's just like or his it's, teeth it's or etched in my head for some reason. The 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 moment and it's it's incredibly effective. It's not like I'm sitting there, you know. I'm certainly engaged, and it's not like I'm going, oh, he's no good, you know, as a filmmaker. I mean, there's stuff like I, Sherilyn Fenn in the car crash. Is still yeah. something that gives me nightmares in a way that far more graphic scenes in horror movies just doesn't, and and not not in a way that I wanted to be disturbed. You know, sure. it, just, it touched me in places I did not wish to be touched. I guess would be the <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I respect in a movie. I really do. I I respect the hell out of it. I just I can't say that I like it. Um, uh, and, and again, having nothing to do with him or her, or many of the performances. Yeah. As Joe said to Will Defoe is just good God. <laughs> and then all the wizard of Oz stuff is, it, it's just, it's, it's such a, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Lynch fan, but, uh, but I, this, this was the one that was the hardest. It's, it's like his cook, thief, wife, and lover movie. Sure. You know, <laughs> it's just, it was, it was, I don't think I've seen it since I saw it first. I recently yeah. went back and watched it again, and it's and it's it is, it is hard to watch. I, I was curious actually what you guys thought because it is such a polarizing thing, which is why I dropped it on here. And I don't. Yeah, not, no, I appreciate that. It's not a, and there's I, there's so many to choose from, but I was really curious about this one because like that, you know, when I when I think about like what as a filmmaker you're doing to an audience, you know, or what you can do to an audience. This is a really interesting combination of a filmmaker, I think, that that loves to <clears throat> challenge an audience, potentially in negative ways sometimes. And then yeah. uh, uh, paired with a performer who does the same thing uh, and, you know, isn't able to like, there, there's not a ton of humanity character in that film and that's one of the things that he ordinarily brings now I, I didn't i didn't i don't have a perspective on whether that was just a choice or that was just the sign of the story that 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 made him that way but the, the polarizing aspect of that film i think is a good sort of uh analog for nick's career yeah which yeah. Uh, well his choice of projects has been so eclectic that you know there's no seeming rhyme or reason to well, why would he do this or why would he not do this you know i mean something shows up and he's in it it's sort of like well why why would he want to remake the wicker man you know why would anybody want to remake the wicker man? <laughs> <laughs> particularly that version of it um but you know he just he, he he is completely unpredictable in that in that way and the fact that he said yes to this movie is ample uh, evidence of that yeah, and I, you know, that that's that's right. I mean, we didn't, of course, and I we, earlier on in the conversation we were saying, or I was um, uh, telling Josh, I, I I didn't I didn't know him. I never met him before. I didn't have any connection to Nicolas Cage. We were writing this thing as a way to rediscover what Kevin and I liked about writing and creating things after a difficult television experience. And we were like, I think deep down inside, we had this sort of feeling that there was no way in hell he was ever going to attach to this thing and that it was a colossal waste of time, but we were having so much 
fun creating this character of Nicolas Cage that we just kept going, kept going. And, you know, we thought like, if there's one actor whose unpredictability becomes like a feature rather than the bug mm-hmm. in this situation, it was going to be Nick. I don't think there's another movie that I can think of that you could compare it to, except maybe being John Malkovich. You know, it, it, being in the same in the same arena as this, because it's it's so original. And, uh, you know, especially when you look at what's out there and what gets made and why people go and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's it was such a breath of fresh air. Oh, thank you. Oh, dear. I told you. I know. I appreciate that. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still getting used to talking to people about it in the reception because, you know, it's funny. We, we, we put this thing out in the world and, you know, all of a sudden a bunch of studios started coming in. We're going, this is, is going to be a studio film with like a release. That's interesting. And then, you know, we prepped it once in Bogota and the pandemic hit and we shut down. Um, and I know it's not supposed to be about our own projects or whatever, but we came back up to, to make the film and it was peak pre-vaccine COVID when we were shooting. And they basically sort of let us do what we wanted. I didn't really talk to the studio that very much. We, they were just like, there were so many other things going on in everybody's world that we were just over there right. shooting. And uh, so it was kind of a, um, an experience, which I, I don't know that, I'll ever have again where I was forgotten about. <laughs> like, and we were able, this was sort of, we were able to sort of stick to the, the script and the original vision in a, in a way, I think that perhaps you don't always get to. Uh. <laughs> yeah. In my heart. <laughs> um, yeah, because right. yeah, of course, next time now they're going to be paying much more attention now because. Uh, You've got this. This well, we don't want him to go off and make another one of those weird pictures like he did in the last. <laughs> one. <laughs> we gotta be careful now. <laughs> yeah, now, now, now's when they come in and tell you how to make a movie. Um, oh my god! And I'm eager uh, to learn. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm be very happy for someone to tell me how to make a movie. Um, I don't think you need anybody to. And yeah, also I your casting. I mean, Pedro was incredible. Oh, he was so good. He's yes. so good. Oh, he. You know, it's, it's funny because you know, you know. Like, you probably knew Pedro the same way I knew Pedro from Game of Thrones, where he's the Viper, and from Narcos, and these things where you're going, man, he's like a he's like plays a tough guy, like extraordinarily well. And we went to meet Pedro for for lunch, Kevin Etten and I, and he was just like, I don't care if I get this project, I do care if I get it, but I I, I don't, I just want to talk about Nick Cage. And it turns out he's just this <laughs> incredibly sweet, earnest, super fan of Nicolas Cage, and we were just like, this is I this this is the guy. Our guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, we were like, he's hobby. This is really strange. So when he came, he was like, I want to play him as this really gruff, like, you know, gangster type character. And uh, it became a week long discussion with Pedro and I were all like, uh, uh-uh, you're not, you're not playing that guy. You're playing the soft, sweet version of like Pedro that you are like, you know, right. and he was very resistant at first, but then he, he was like, you know what? Okay, fine. I'll embrace it. And he played that character. And I think it's the first time like people have seen him like that, but, and He's extremely funny and such a great actor. One of the few people I know that can just turn on a dime and be scary, and but then soft and sweet. And you know, I, I sort well, that of that ambiguity. Ambiguity is what makes this art work. I mean, because yep. you, you know, you're so as the movie goes on, you're going, oh no, he's a bad guy. Oh no, you know, oh, no, yeah, well, no, he's not a bad guy. <laughs> Why is he like looking at Nicolas Cage with googly eyes? You know, and that was the thing we said. It's sort of like a, a strange, like romance. Yep. Where, like the only one who doesn't realize it's a romance is Nicolas Cage, who's going. I, I don't need anybody doing Bronson. You know, I, I don't. 
I don't need anybody's <laughs> help, you know, and Pedro's like, I love you. <laughs> it's like, okay, and he relents. It's like a, a strange, funny way for us to look at it. Um, I want to, you, you put a family man on here, which is not a Nick Cage movie. People talk about a lot. That was, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's not, you know, this one is it, sort of close to me. I, I became, um, in the last handful of years, uh, very close with Peter Bogdanovich. Hmm. And, um, you know, we would, we would get together all the time and I was working on a thing with him for a while. And, and one of the movies that we'd always talk about is family man when I started doing Nicholas Cage project. And, uh it's sort of like it's to me it's like it's gonna sound crazy but it's sort of like capra-esque where it's like this this fantasy where he becomes allowed to look at his other life and there's like a strange sentimentality uh yeah, to the thing that that um i think makes it all work and and but nick playing this like family character i think is is was a different side of him that i i don't think people had seen and Maybe we haven't seen much since that, and it was one of the things that we tried to channel in, in the film that I made, where you're 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 going. Sure. I, I like this version of Nicolas Cage, and um, and there's a fantasy element to it as well, where he, you know, uh, the premise, of course, is that he, you know, is able to wakes up in the bed of his college sweetheart and the life he didn't know that he could have chosen, where he's right. a wealthy banker in the city, uh, you know, it plays out, and he's forced to make a choice at the end. And I thought, okay, it's simple incredibly simple non-surprising structure but for some reason surprised me and that i really really love him in the film and his his depiction of these two different versions of himself and there's elements of that that we we, we took and channeled into into uh, uh with, his, with his own family yeah because yeah, and when peter had read family. my script and you know the uh, kevin and i script for unbearable way there was we, we talk a lot about that movie and the duality of uh, nick's character hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I can definitely see that. Um, it's funny too. Yeah. He is, but he's got such range. I mean, I, I, you know, there had to have been a point where, uh, I would be like, Oh, he can't do that. But I'm, I'm like a lot of us, I think we're way past that point now, but I think, you know, cause to me, the, the actually, you know, the double feature, I would show anyone who's a non-believer actually two movies you, you didn't put on, but I suspect you're probably very fond of, I would show them, um, Joe and bad Lieutenant. And oh, sure. Yeah. If you cannot see how the guy who can do that film and that film can do anything, <laughs> I can, can do anything. I mean, yeah, we, it's like, I mean, obviously, Dave Gordon Green showing up in, in our film where Nick's auditioning for him at the beginning. Yes. A shorthand from Joe. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and David has become a good friend. And we, we talked a lot about what Nick would, would, would bring to these these characters and the idea, some of the ideas we shared with each other that he would have where he would come and, you know, he reread the script every morning for my film and would come and be like, I've got an idea and I need to show you something. And we would just be excited for this point in the day, uh, you know, where he would come and hey, there's a scene in our film where he, you know, it, it, the script that he was supposed to kiss the, the young version of him kissed the older version on the cheek. And he was like, yeah, I think my character would deeply kiss himself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> we were like, yes. Perfect idea. I wish we had written it that way. I'm going to figure out how to shoot it in COVID. Yes. Oh, I'm I glad. Yeah. I mean, I, yes, I'm glad to hear that. Cause that, that, that is such a perfect moment. <laughs> and it's and, so right. And I honestly, I can't imagine, I can't imagine writing that and then handing it to the guy. On the no, chance that I maybe would, he doesn't share your opinion that he would French kiss himself. <laughs> that would be, we were terrified to write something. <laughs> like that. 
thought he would kill us. So, yeah. you know, but we'd give it to him. And we'd say, okay, you're going to kiss yourself. And he kisses it. And so my, my partner, Kevin, is like, I think he should put his hand up on the back of his head and really like deeply kiss. So we give that note. Nick does it. And then he style call kind he's like, I think you guys are exploiting me. This is not right. This is, let me, let me see this. And he comes charging over the monitor and we play it and he watches it from that angle. And he goes, you know, actually, this is really good. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes out and it was so funny to watch him like get into it and like, you know, try to discover the line by which we felt like we were doing a disservice to quote unquote Nick Cage the character. Um, and we were That's constantly showing that line, but you know, and, and he had a lot of pitches that were outlandish on on, on Joe. But yeah, the, the the distance between Joe and the bad lieutenant is enormous. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick had that discussion about um, I become friends with Tarnowski, who who directed uh, Pig, and if you put Pig and and, and I film next to each other, yeah. there's a massive distance between this incredibly quiet, um, nuanced, really. Uh, 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 like small performance mm-hmm. that he gives in that film, and the you know hyperbolic, outlandish comedic performance that he gives in in Unbearable Weight, and yeah, they're they're, they're they're totally different. And yeah, no, it's it's and, and all it's all about. I mean, I guess the the common thread is there's just that commitment. You know, you just get a sense that he shows up to whatever he's doing. I mean, these are great movies we're talking about, but I've seen him in some movies that I'm sure even he would acknowledge are not the greatest. And you're like, this guy doesn't care what the, he's there to do the same job in every movie. And I, how do you not love that? <laughs> yeah. It's commitment. I think he's a hundred and I don't know. He's, it feels like he's a hundred thousand movies in. I think he's like 120 movies in. Uh, and, but the, the strange thing is he just absolutely loves it. He loves yeah. the, the acting. And I said, hey, I said to him at some point, I, do you just get, because I watched him do, he was like, I know what you want. He did some very quiet performance in the film. I, I forget exactly which scene we were shooting, but um, I said to him, do you get bored just doing sort of a naturalistic performance? I said, is that, is that what it is? And he said, no, no, I, I don't think so. And then she, he's like, let me think about that. And he came back in the next morning and said, I've been thinking about this all night, uh, Tom. And I, I really didn't tell you, I'm never bored. I'm never bored. I love acting. I love what I'm doing. And it's that I, I need you to know that even if I'm making a choice that seems completely over the top and, and outlandish and crazy, um, I, like I believe that it's the right thing for the character. And I'm doing it because I, I love this and I'm trying to make it better. You know, I'm trying to make it the thing that like, you know, maybe both of us hadn't seen or, or we weren't seeing in the same way. And I want to I want to give that give that to you and give you an option. Uh, and he said, but I will always, 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 if you think that it's wrong, give you exactly what you think you need as well. And so that it's just this nice thing where you're working with somebody who really, really cares about the, the films that they're making, despite them, you know, in the end, maybe not sometimes being uh, as good as him or the filmmakers thought they could be. I, I can't. They can't all be Mandy. Do you, uh, do you do a lot of takes with him? I, no, I, I wouldn't. Um, I would, he would ask for three or four up front to sort of show me what his idea was. And that's usually him doing, you know, when he does that part in film, for example, where it's going, Nick, fucking cage. And he's and fucking takes, you know, four minutes. Uh, and he came over after I called, that wasn't scripted. It was scripted as Nick fucking cage. And he did that. And, you know, I cut and he came sort of sauntering over to the monitor and he looked at me and he goes, 
I wanted it to be transcendent. And it's scary. He said, do you want me to do something else? I said, no, it's perfect. Just, let's just, you know. And so he, he, he takes two or three takes on his own to show you what he's cooked up and then comes over and says, what do you want? Like, what do you think? Should we do something different? Should we try something else? And, and, uh, and then I say, here's what I was thinking. And we try that. And it would probably be three more takes or so. And so it was, and then I, I usually have a, a good sense of what I wanted. And then I would, have, I would have options. Sometimes they were the same thing. We knew exactly what the character needed, but right. often in comedy, I would like a little bit quieter and he would want to go, go large. But in our movie, we did have the advantage of having the younger version of Nicolas Cage where you could channel. Um, That's right. That energy. <laughs> yes. Which is <laughs> such a great character. Um, well, yeah, let's, as long as we're, I, I, you're talking about pig and, um, I mean, let's, let's do some of the later stuff. I mean, you, you, you are, and I mean, I really am that movie just did it, it. I, it's a weird thing to say, but Mandy really knocked me out in a way that few movies have. And I know where, uh, there's, there's a lot of us out there and we're all very strange, but, um, it was so nice to see the Mandy touches in, in the film to see the, uh, the chainsaw and of course the, the, the weapon, whatever that thing is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that acts. That that, yeah. Well, the museum scene is is a classic. I mean, it's just yeah. and and I I I rack my brain. I cannot think of another actor that you could do that scene with and have that kind of, you know, legacy to to work with. Yeah, and that that scene, you know, like that when you're when you're coming up with all the stuff in there, it's like this conversation. Like, which where do you pull from? What what kind of prompts you? If there's a there's a million movies and you start going through, what should we yeah. do? I thought. Um, and that one, I wanted, Nick, I, I wanted Nick to not have seen what what was in the room, so that I could get a somewhat genuine reaction, where he mm. it wasn't scripted, where he's going trippy. This is very trippy, <laughs> and he's supposed to be on, you know, as me at the time, right, or whatever. Yeah. But he's also just like, I can't believe you put this room together of my memorabilia. Uh, and so we could get some sort of genuine looks at this thing and, you know, and, and, and looks at the, at the, the films that he's done and, and then the wax sculpture, of course, which we had a very strange, funny experience where the wax sculpture came and we were unboxing it and, you know, I, it had kind of melted in the face and it looked even worse than it looked in the film. It like, it was truly terrible. I was like, I can't show this to Nick. I, I can't show it to him. I can't have him have a complete meltdown and be like, is this what you guys think I look like? Cause this is so great. And so I, I call Bill Corso or, you know, the very famous makeup and prosthetics artist who's working with us. And I was like, you need to help me out. You need to fix this. I can't show it to Nick. So when he saw it, it ended up being a happy accident for us where he was going, you know, we, we built in. He goes, is this supposed to be me? It's <laughs> And then we thought it'd be funny if he tried to buy it. <laughs> Um, it's kind of the perfect response. Yeah. 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 But that, you know, that, that Mandy stuff, we wanted a shout out in some way to, to Mandy uh, because that film just, yeah, it, 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 it blew me away. I had yeah. something like that. It's the, the cinematography to, you know, it's, I, that's Johan Johansson's last final score. Yeah. It's just like <clears throat> and beautiful and visceral. And, you know, it's, you, you do get a, even within a revenge movie, a really wide range of, you know, Nick's performances, you know, like you, well, it's so emotional. I mean, in, in yeah. all its stages, I mean, the love story is so pure and, 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 and visceral. And then the revenge stuff is as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he really taps into something and, and it's, 
to have conceived shot and left in the scene with him losing his shit in the bathroom in his underpants. Um, that that's yeah. one of the ballsiest things I've ever seen for both an actor and a director. Cause that's a scene that they had to be sitting there going, ah, this could, this could lose an audience. This could, this could be too funny. It could be too, and it is, but it's not. And it's just, I can't see yeah. another actor doing it. <laughs> he said that he picks a scene in every film where he's like, I know I could potentially lose the audience and I'm going to just go for it. And I'm going to let, that loose and and that was the one he had decided yeah. talked a lot about that scene and he thought okay well let me just like i need to do something different in the scene and he picks one where he's going to go you know just just go for it yeah make or break and um uh that's an yeah. amazing and amazing that, bit. that was the one and i you know yeah. I, it could lose you but i for me it just grabbed me by the throat and that one <laughs> it's like i'm gonna this movie's gonna this movie's gonna knock you out yeah, we are about to. By the way, Joe, I, we haven't checked on this in a while, but but the um, we, the Mandy challenge got a little bit delayed by quarantine and everything. But we're about to do it. We did uh, last year. Um, we did a, a fundraiser for the uh, Hollywood Food Coalition. Um, my wife Nancy loves movies, but is not a horror movie person, and she's got it in her head that Mandy's a horror movie, and she's never seen it. I've seen it about six times, and we we basically said if we raise X amount of dollars, I think it was like two thousand or something like that through the show. Uh, she would watch Mandy and then we sort of had to go into another kind of lockdown, but we're, we're out now and we're doing a gathering and she is going oh, to so see she it never soon. saw it. Not yet. Coming, coming oh soon. Gosh. Coming well, that's soon. Why you're, that's why she's still speaking. <laughs> that's right. Yes. But we're going to document it and she is going to watch it. Um, she did. I, I think I've told the story. We, we, uh, an early date of ours, I took her to see bad Lieutenant and did not realize until halfway through the film, what I had done. And I thought this isn't a test. I don't want to be that asshole, but I don't know what I'm going to do if she doesn't love this movie, <laughs> which thankfully she did. And, and also I want to say, I want to ask you this question. I have my answer. I, I think it's the right one. I think you'll say the same thing. Mm-hmm. He did a Q and a with Herzog after that. Okay. It was the two of them down at the arrow and it was amazing. And um, Herzog started talking about his dream of making a movie about California firefighters. And he wanted to wait until the fire season. And he wanted to actually go into actual forest fires to make that. Now, you know, Herzog would do that. Yeah, uh-huh. but he wanted to do it with a script and with actors. And Nick said immediately he had never heard that. He goes, "I'm in." I 100 percent believe Nick Cage would do that movie. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, the forest and, fire. <laughs> and you were like, the stakes are literally life and death. Nick yeah. would say, "Yeah, so I'm in." I think I'm I, in. He's perhaps the only actor that would go do that. Yeah, I think a lot of people would say they were in, but he's the only one who could pull it off. Yeah, because everybody believed him. <laughs> The only one who's not saying we're in is anyone who has to finance that film. That's the problem, right? Yeah. 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 It's a shame. I think it's worth the risk, but then it's not my money. Yeah, that's true. Um, let's let's bounce back. You you also brought up one sure. that uh, I think a little, I don't know, is it divisive? It is in my world. I don't know. The Rock. Because mm. this isn't John Woo. This isn't, this is, this is, uh, this is uh, Michael Bay. And I know people love it. Do you, are you a Rock fan, Joe? Or are you a? Uh, rock. Yeah, I like the that. rock. The rock. The, the movie. rock. No, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> the actor, absolutely. Okay. Uh, no, it's it's not the cast. It's just uh, that no. that period of Michael. Yeah, you know, he mean it's not, not Nicholas not Cage, Sean Connery, Ed Harris. Rock. Those hacks. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> 
But you're, yeah. How, how, so uh, talk about the rock for a minute, Tom. Like how, how does that end up being one of your favorite Nick Cage films? And, well, it's funny because I don't mean that to sound as confrontational as it does. I apologize. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, it's, it's interesting because I like, I just like uh, a big, like popcorn action movie sometimes. And what I particularly like about that film is the compelling villain. And you, yeah, and it spends the opening, I don't know, five minutes of the movie with the villain talking about his plan. And I'm like, this is really, to me, this is, this is really fascinating, really interesting. And I'm just on board. And I, I felt like it was this weird combination of like an, a Bond extension movie where Sean Connery is basically playing a continuation of that character, adding this like underdog Nicolas Cage and like a compelling villain. And I thought this, is, I, for some reason, and part of it is nostalgia. And when I saw it and when I came out in high school and I like, you start to go, okay, this is, this is something, this is, this is big Hollywood filmmaking at, uh, you know, at, in, in, in a way that I appreciated. And, you know, it, it also has some deeply strange character work at the top of it, which I oh, yeah. also appreciate with his like, playing guitar and listening to his albums and apparently nick had come up with all of that on his own or says that he did um and i thought that it, it feels almost shoehorned into a film but i appreciate anything in the made within the hollywood system yeah. that shoehorns in very strange like it's got edges character work and especially in yeah movie, we're going I, today that just would have been it all would have been cut yeah. So there are little things that I think, uh, you know, that I think actually I do really appreciate about the way they pressed that one through uh, the system. You know, is that one I, we were talking before you came on, Joe, about how I had sort of been, you know, I was not the giant Con Air fan when it came out, but because of uh, uh, his film, I, we went back and watched it the other night, and I absolutely loved it. And um, I'm I'm wondering if I need to give The Rock that chance. I feel I'm I'm. Uh, you know, the funny thing is that you you, you kind of have to give everything a chance if it's old, because it, you're not the same person you were when you saw it before. This is true. And, you know, sometimes you suss out the fact that, well, you know, this really doesn't work. It isn't very good. And, you're, and you go back and you watch it and you're right. It didn't, didn't work. But there's other things where you just you just weren't on the right wavelength at that time for what that picture was doing or that picture yeah. was saying. Or, uh, and I, I found, I mean, there were, there were whole directors whose careers I was like, oh, I don't more of this pictures and then i got older and i watched them and i realized that i've been missing some really good stuff because because of the prejudice that i had about you know one or two things that i saw that i didn't like and i just wrote off the whole the whole thing but uh it, it's it's much more complicated than that and, and now that we have access to so many right. movies that you know you can see at the drop of a button or on movies unlimited I, of course i might add yeah. um then um you know it's just it's 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 almost criminal to not give everything another chance do you have a particular film that you did not like when it came out that you can think of or that that you revisited at a different time in your life i was actually thinking of a director named richard Quine, who uh whose movies just left me completely cold when i was younger and who and he made bell book and candle he made operation madball he made and, he, and it turns out that he was you know really an interesting director and uh you know ernie kovac so i was a fan of is in a lot of and I just, I just don't know where my head was at. It's, it's sort of dismissed this guy. Right. Hmm. Yeah. What, what, uh, so Tom, as we sort of near our end of our time with you, if, if I had to put a gun to your head and go like, what, what's your, what, do you have a favorite Nick Cage or movie or does it just sort of change 
outside of you're not allowed to say your own movie. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? It turns out many, uh, many, many do. Yeah, no, no, Look, no, no. ideally, ideally, you made the movie you want to see, and um, I, why? I why wouldn't you know. take that no, one? From, from Tom's point of view, Nick can stop working now because he's <laughs> that's I told him. <laughs> uh, did you? Yeah. Said, we did it. What are you doing, man? Let's just let's go hang out. Uh, no, I, I for me, yes, I think peak Nick Cage for me is adaptation. Oh, okay, that's, yeah, that's I, a I agree. Moment. And I, you know, when I, when I watch it and I talk about it and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, you know, I obviously Coppins writing and, and, and Spike Jones filmmaking and, you know, but Nick in that movie is doing the thing that he doesn't do in these other films. It's, 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 it's a, it's just a detailed, very nuanced, very small neurotic performance. And as I said, neurotic cage is the best cage. He plays a neurotic character almost better than anyone I can think of. And I, I just, it, and there's like a deep sort of well of humanity and the separation of the two characters, the Charlie and Donald Kaufman for me, uh, while taking me through, a, you know, a storyline that is at once meta, it's heartfelt, it's, 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 it's crazy, uh, but I felt connected to the thing the whole way through. And it's just, for me, that's, that's, that's the ultimate. And this movie that I made um, is in some ways a, an homage to, to, adaptation as much as it is a celebration of both Nick and the mm, creative true. process. Yeah, I life. thought I thought about adaptation often while watching the movie, actually. Yeah, and yeah. you know, even just doubling the characters and you yeah. know, all the things that we had to I had to go that through the same process they probably went through to figure out how to do that while also de-aging them. And you know, I, I just I don't know, it just felt like such a risky film and it was made at a studio and they were able to get great performances out of all the I mean, I think almost everyone won Oscars in that movie. It's like Meryl Streep and um, Cooper, and, you know, and then Nick was nominated, but didn't end up winning. That was his second Oscar nomination. And that just, for me, it was just extraordinary, the, the, the range that he has. And to be able to pull off something like that, that's so deeply weird, but yeah. just also is, uh, I thought, kind of incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I had to see it again because I was so. I, I my friend uh, Dan Waters has been on the show. A writer and I we bonded many many years ago, and uh, mm. over over the notion that um, professional jealousy is for punks, and <laughs> yes. um, I, I just you, you can't do that. You can't measure. It. And it wasn't so much that I was jealous of Charlie Kaufman in, in the sort of you know the way you'd think. It was literally just I would bet that at least half the writers working have had that moment when you're stuck on some, you know, adaptation where you're mm -hmm. going, God, you know, the, the crap I'm going through trying to figure out how to write this is more interesting than what the film's going to be. <laughs> and then that son of a bitch went out and did it. And you're, you're just sitting there. And I sat there the entire two hours going, you're allowed to do that. And now of course you can't because now it's been done. <laughs> now it's yeah. been yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> like, son of a bitch. You literally just opened the door. We all wanted to open and closed it behind you and none of us can open it now. <laughs> right. And I mean, I, it really, it's like, I had to go back and see it again to appreciate it. Cause I was so miffed. I've worked on those things where you're just like, you know, it'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like a joke you can't appreciate because it's too funny. And you're sitting there going, I wish I had written that. Thing. Yeah. I, I have that all the way throughout. It took like a couple of tries when you're yeah. watching it to not just be, so I, for me, anyway, so deeply jealous of the things someone yeah. has created. You've got to uh, do that. 
Damn it. To, to really and, but at least he did it well, right? I mean, that's the other, it's like, that was the second time through. It's like, all right, well, somebody had to do it. At least he didn't fuck it up. I mean, it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and uh, yeah, I've often wondered what the, what, what the woman who wrote the book think of that film like does that because uh, i think he may have also closed the door on her book ever becoming a movie <laughs> her book becoming a movie yeah i, I know that's probably true but because you had him steal some orchids in the in the in your movie yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly i know i know we thought about that we were like trying to figure out exactly how to put there was a whole uh, there was a whole thread where for the hobby's party that got eliminated that there was a delivery truck delivering these ghost orchids that were going to be placed on every table that's what they make dvds for yeah extra (laughs) do you have a pete nick cage performance do you have a pete nick cage i'm curious like about you joe are you uh uh, well i'm i'm a bad lieutenant lieutenant, Uh, it's a it's a remarkable movie and he's a remark he's just amazing in it yeah, I mean, I think just for for him alone, I would probably go with that. Um, it's it, it's probably not my all time favorite Nick Cage movie, but I think it might be my favorite. It's just so, yeah. You just don't know. You I mean, I remember the first time I saw him in, in Valley Girl, and uh, and I I I remember the 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 thought of who is this guy? Is he a professional actor? Is he is he's so he's so. He's so unusual. He's so odd. He's like so, just different, you know. And yeah. and uh, and that was that was I, I don't know. He wasn't being billed as Coppola then, was he? Uh, no, that was the first so. was yeah. one as Kate. That was. But it was a long. It was it was you know it was one of his early pictures. And um, and and you know I've just been following him ever since. Almost did a picture with him in the eighties. Oh really? Yeah, he did one of those things that falls through because there's no money. You're those. Let's suppose that happened. <laughs> he tells me when he talks to his uncle, uh, you know, Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, he said, "My uncle always still asks me, 41 years later, um, why'd you change your fucking name to Kate?" <laughs> <laughs> He's still upset about this, and it sort of makes me laugh. Hey, because of you, man, right? Yeah. I mean, that would be uh, that, that. That always. I mean, I know he said that, and it struck me as true. It's like, yeah, you don't want to be living under that shadow. Absolutely. You know, it's, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, God. Well, um, Tom, thank you so much, man. This was, this was a joy. It would be uh, fun to have you. Yeah, I was thrilled I enjoyed you were it too, up even for... though I was late to the party. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you guys. So, well, you can listen to it, Joe. Thanks to the I magic will. of podcast. One of the great things about podcast. Big fan. Anyway, it's a, ter- it's a terrific movie and I recommend that people go see it because it's so. in the theater. See, if you can. see in the theater with a crowd, people are laughing. It, it just, it's the best way to see something like this. And, um, uh yeah no i i thank you so much man this has been great and um i so what's next who's your next um who's your next target <laughs> we were like imagine we, building a career where this is all you do is make movies where actors where actors just play themselves and <laughs> he's gonna remake it with ansel elgort yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> i was i was i i tell people that like my big fantasy is that i get to make uh, the making of National Treasure Three, right? And and he's on set, and he believes that, and Nick believes that the treasure map that they're making it about. He's like, "Fuck, I think this is real." And so he goes to Boyd, and he's like, "Boyd, I'm talking about generational wealth, man. Like, let's get on, let's find this thing." And John Boyd's like, "Yeah, sure, no problem, right?" And then so they're on the on the path to this treasure, and they find themselves in real danger, and he has to 
channel Benjamin Franklin Gates from National Treasure in order to get himself out of danger and save his family. And I would call it the unbearable weight of National Treasure. Disney and Lionsgate would have to partner on this film. And I thought, this is the, this is the insanity that I'm looking for. Yeah. And so I'm just hoping Disney can, you know, yeah, listen to this podcast and go, wow, that's a great insane. idea. We should do this. Yes. Uh, well, good luck with that one, too. <laughs> but uh, right, yeah, thanks no, for thank having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. Nice. Great to meet you. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. Stay safe out there, folks. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.